Hello, and welcome to A Dash of Salt. I'm Dr. Shelley Ann, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you stumbled upon this podcast by accident or you're here because the subject drew you in, welcome. SALT is an acronym for Society and Learning Today. This podcast was created as an outlet for inviting fresh discussions on sociology and learning theories that impact your world. Each episode includes a wide range of themes that focus on society and everyday learning, whether formal or informal. So let's get stuck in, shall we? Welcome to A Dash of Salt. Today I'm joined by Donna Price. Donna founded the Irish Road Victims Association, IRVA, in 2012, following the inquest into the sudden death of her 18-year-old son, Darren, in a crash in March of 2006, and is chairperson of the organization, the National Charity for Road Crash Victims in Ireland. IRVA provides free information and support, including bereavement counseling and legal advice to victims and their families, and assists families at every stage of guard investigations, coroner's inquests, and civil and criminal legal proceedings. IRVA hosts uh, an event to mark World Day of Remembrance for road victims every year, which is attended by hundreds of bereaved families from all over the country. Donna is founder and co-chair of the International Road Victims Partnership, IRVP, as um, a partnership of some 150 NGOs from all the regions of the world and a member of the UNRSC and ETSC. Additionally, Donna is also a board member of the Road Safety Authority in Ireland, recently reappointed by the minister and serving a second term. Donna was the winner of the RSA Ambassador of the Year for Road Safety Leading Light Award in 2015. I'm delighted to have you on the podcast to talk to you about your work you do nationally and internationally through the Irish Road Victims Association, as well as building and maintaining a volunteer capacity within your charity. You're very welcome, Donna. Thank you, Shelley. And thank you for inviting me onto your show. Um, so we're going to start right off here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, a little background about yourself and some of your own experiences that prompted you to start the Irish Road Victims Association? Well, I'm a mother of four children, and very sadly, on the 30th of March 2006, I got the telephone call that every parent dreads. Yeah. A call from Angarda Siakona, the National Police Service here in Ireland. Um, to tell me that my son had been involved in a fatal collision. Darren had left our home that morning at about seven o'clock in the morning on his way to college in Athlone, where he was an engineering student. And while en route to college, he was in a collision with a HGV uh, and was killed instantly. And the news received that day really shattered our whole lives. Mm. Um, my, my other children were close in age to Darren. Darren was only 18 years of age. And his elder brother, Mark, was only 19. And my younger children were 14 and 11. Mm. And this was our first real experience of, of a death in the family. My own parents are still alive. So for that experience to be the death of your own child, mm. it really did um, destroy, destroy me. I have to say, mm -hmm. it was like a grenade going off inside your whole being. 
Um, so we were left then to, to pick up the pieces of our lives and try to carry on. You know, I had to be strong for my other children. Firstly, they were all in college and at school. Um, and I myself was studying law at the time in Dublin. And I was actually en route to college when I got the news in my car from the police service. Mm. Um, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Um, but I not only had to deal with the sudden, violent and traumatic death of my own child in that crash, but also I was thrown into dealing with the legal processes which followed. And I suppose that helped. It, it, it really re-traumatised us, I think. Um, that process lasted for six years. Um, the inquest into my son's death, the coroner's inquest, was six years later in March 2012. And it was as a, as a result of that experience that I went on to set up the Irish Road Victims Association because I felt that during that six-year period there was no support for families. Um, you, you, were, you had to deal with the Gardaí and their investigation into the crash um, and then you had to deal with the DPP and his deliberations as to whether or not there would be a criminal prosecution. And then finding that there was to be no prosecution into my, you know, of the, of the driver uh, responsible for my son's death, um, we then had the coroner's inquest. Uh, and that was a very restricted hearing. I thought that was going to be the public hearing into my son's death. I thought all of the facts were going to be laid on the public record. But in fact, that wasn't the case at all. Mm. It was a very restricted hearing uh, into the where, when and how my son had lost his life. We knew that on day one. I shouldn't have had to wait six years to have that hearing. I knew that he had been killed in Tyrrell's Pass as a result of a road traffic collision on that date. Mm. And really, there was nothing else placed on the record. The, the investigation... Um, I was told that the DPP had reviewed the file and so there was no need for us to go into the detail in the coroner's inquest. Um, but those deliberations with the DPP are behind closed doors and the families are very much on the periphery of that process. Mm. So during that six years, I was left wondering, tormented, wondering what could have caused the collision in which my son lost his life. Mm. And I don't think that that's fair. Mm -mm. I think it helps to compound the grief of the bereaved. Um, and so we're trying to change that uh, in the Irish Road Victims Association while providing support, much needed support and information for the families who find themselves in the same position as I found myself in. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, the Irish Road Victims Association was set up in 2012 following that inquest into my son's death. Uh, and we're still very active now and helping families who are similarly affected. I can imagine that. I can't imagine. I should say, first of all, I, I, you know, I know that loss is never anything that that lessens with time, and um, and I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, but I, I can't imagine how hard that must be not to have to be able to feel like you have any type of closure whatsoever, um, you know, with that, and to, you know, to be refused um, the ability to to have that look or to have, um, you know, your own um, attorneys, uh, you know, be able to kind of look over those types of things as well and have other people make decisions on the behalf of yourself and your family um, and in the death of your son. Um, so I understand why, uh, you know, it was so important for you to feel that there, there's other families 
families that must be supported by, um, you know, something like this so that they don't have to go through the same experiences that you did. Absolutely. And I felt, um, I found myself out of time, statute barred, for instance, for, for a civil case. You have to take the case within two years of the date of the crash. Uh, I didn't know that. There was nobody there to tell me. Mm-hmm. And so we were statute barred. And I think families still to this day find themselves in that position. So unless they come in contact with our organisation, um, they're not aware, first of all, of our existence. And we have to try and make sure that they are aware of our existence mm-hmm. and that they come to us speedily so that we're in a position to help them. Um, because once the coroner's inquest is over, the the role is finished. Um, and so, you know, if, for instance, they want information regarding the investigation, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want the Gardaí to give the families the information prior to the inquest so that families are informed and can play an active role in that hearing. Um, They'll be prompted to ask questions of of the police regarding the investigation and all of that so that they can, they can live with, with, you know, we, even if there's no prosecution, I can live with that. Once I know the facts, I need to know the circumstances surrounding my loved one's death. And it's very painful if we're always wondering unable to sleep at night because we don't know those details so that's why it's so important that families are given that information and that support when they most need it yeah I can certainly see why again it's so important to have this type of organization to represent victims of road traffic collisions and also as you said the importance of getting the word out so that people um, know um, and are aware that there is somebody that can, you know, there is a group, an organization that can support them, be there with them, stand beside them. And, and also um, for many, um, I'm, uh, you know, both yourself and probably many of your volunteers, um, you know, have had even those experiences themselves and can say, not only can I stand beside you and support you, but I, I can empathize with you as well because I've, you know, we've been there um, and we don't want you to go through that same type of, uh, carry that same burden. Um, What kinds of supports specifically does the Irish Road Victims Association provide for families? Well, we, we would, uh, we, we cover the cost of bereavement counseling. Uh, We're not counselors ourselves, but families can choose a counselor uh, and the services available nationwide, and we will cover the costs through our own fundraising activities uh, to provide that service for them. Um, We also provide free legal advice. Uh, We have a barrister who who helps us there. So if families are in need, they're coming up to the inquest or while they're dealing with the Garda investigation or the DPP, he is there to provide that legal advice to them. and uh, other than that, it's a it's a listening ear, peer support. Sometimes that's all families need, just to be able to pick up the phone and speak to somebody who understands, mm-hmm. um, somebody who has been through it themselves. Um, and you know, we're non-judgmental. You 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 know, we treat everybody equally, um, and the service is available to everybody, um, regardless of where the crash occurred, mm-hmm. um, or you know, culpability for that crash. Um, uh, once you're bereaved in a road crash, uh, we're, we're there to support you. Um, the same with seriously injured victims, uh, although most of our support does tend to be for bereaved families because they're, they're the, the ones who tend to, to contact us. But the service is also available to those who've been seriously injured themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once a year, we come together in Mullingar, um, which is in the centre of Ireland, 
to provide a, an event for to mark the World Day of Remembrance for road traffic victims. And that's always on the third Sunday in November. And it's an event that's marked all around the world. Uh, but we come together, we bring about 300 families together in Mullingar. Um, we have light lunch uh, and we remember our loved ones mm. through song, poetry, releasing doves, uh, floating flowers on the lake. Um, little things like that that mean so much to the families. Yeah. Um, and then with with the advent of COVID, um, we've had to had uh, or move our support meetings online. So we now have a monthly support group meeting uh, held through Zoom, um, normally on the first Wednesday of every month. Um, and families then will join us as and when they they want to or need need our support. Mm. And does your advocates does does your um, organization um, uh, the support services extend to advocating um, and campaigning for law changes and um, those types of things within government, or do you just stay uh, within supporting the family and then provide um, resources for them um, in other ways? Uh, primarily a victim support organisation, but yes, we do advocate for changes in legislation if and when we see that they're needed. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, in the case of my own son's death, um, the, the lorry driver involved in the crash was not tested for alcohol or drugs. Uh, so we campaigned to make sure that the legislation was changed to ensure that there was mandatory testing mm-hmm. following a fatal or serious, serious injury collision. Um, unless it was prejudicial to the health of the driver concerned. Um, so, so the guards must check now um, following all fatal collisions. And if they don't, they must give a reason why. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because we need to know if alcohol or drugs were a factor. And um, the same for other causes of collisions, such as fatigue, um, mobile phone use, speed. We want to make sure that all of those are checked in every case where there's death and injury. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not mandatory in law, then sometimes they're not all checked and the police may be led down one route to the exclusion of others. For instance, he might, you know, a young driver um, and then exclude, all, you know, all of the other factors that may have been a contributory, contributory factor to that crash. Mm-hmm. So it's important to us, um, not only so that the families can have that information and obtain some semblance of justice for their loss, but also so, so that our road safety efforts are, in fact, evidence-based. Yeah. Um, so we rely on the police to collect this information and this evidence and to share it with those in government and in the Road Safety Authority, for instance, um, to ensure that our uh, campaigns and that are based on, on the evidence. Mm-hmm. So this charity also um, has international connections. It was mentioned in your bio earlier, um, and you've actually mentioned it a couple times in the conversation here. But can you tell us a little bit more about the um, international significance and impact? Yes, I suppose what what I found over the years was in dealing with NGOs all around the world, um, our problems were the same, um, although on different levels. For instance, in Ireland, in a high-income country, we have a a great emergency response. In other countries, their difficulty would be with emergency responders not having an ambulance, for instance, to go to the side of the road. So um, we all had similar um, problems, um, and we wanted to come together and share those uh, and to strengthen the voice of the victims on a global level. Mm. Um, So we worked together to ensure that um, the post-crash response is effective um, throughout the world. 
um, for instance, a poor investigation or the non-existence of an investigation was quite common. Um, so we want to make sure that the investigations are thorough in every case so that the evidence is gathered and that we do have the facts surrounding all of these deaths. Mm -hmm. um, it was a shock to me to find the, the level of devastation. It's something that I don't think the man on the, on the street is aware of, um, that we're killing 154 people every hour on the mm -hmm. roads of the world, mm -hmm. uh, 3,700 people every single day. Yeah. Um, that's a, a huge human catastrophe. Mm -hmm. um, that we hear very little about, you know, how many, how many airplanes is 3,700 people every single day. Right. And yet if there's an airplane crash, it's in the news for months. Mm -hmm. uh, but we hear very little about these deaths. Why? Because they tend to be individual tra tragedies like my own mm -hmm. with the family left alone to pick up pieces and deal with the horrific consequences mm -hmm. and the aftermath. Um, so support was vital. And I suppose the world is a much smaller place now. So no matter where in the world the crash occurs, we can get help to the victim. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we can transcend uh, uh, language barriers and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with technology and all now, we can provide information and support to, to, to anybody who's affected. Mm -hmm. So really there's no need for anybody to feel isolated and alone um, and I feel that that was the worst feeling of mm -hmm. all, Yeah, you know, that really did feel isolated and alone and there was nobody to help and nobody really understood what you were going through. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that even amidst my own uh, family, you know, um, while they, they felt they understood, they really didn't understand, yeah. you know, and may have questioned why I would do this work. It was never going to bring my child back. Mm -hmm. um, but having experienced this, um, we are compelled to try to do something, to try to prevent it happening to others, mm -hmm. because these are not incurable diseases. Right. We know the causes, mm -hmm. speed, uh, distracted driving, bad mm -hmm. roads. Mm -hmm. We know the causes, and, and we have to do more to try to prevent them. Yeah. And every single person can do their little bit. Um, to try to make the roads safer for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I always felt if I could just get to one person um, to get them to change their driving habits, to, to prevent one death, it was worth all of the effort because I know the utter devastation that just the loss of my own son yeah. caused, not only in our family, but in the whole community. He's, he played basketball for Ireland and he was a great footballer here in Westmead. Um, so his team were devastated at the mm -hmm. time. The whole community, I remember the front page of the newspaper was, you know, um, the town was in mourning. It, 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 it was really a huge shock to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we will never get over. Our lives have been completely upended. It's something that you never recover from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll always miss Darren. And I do this in his honour, yeah. you know, and it's worth it, Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm familiar with, you know, living in Ireland, um, for five years, um, I'm familiar with, um, some, some accidents, some road accidents that had occurred that were, um, publicized, um, because they, they dealt with, um, international people who were there either visiting, 
I think it, with the two that I can think of specifically, one rather recently and the other one just a few years ago, um, they were families that were visiting from, from other countries. Um, and do you guys come alongside and, and assist and reach out to the families um, in situations like that where they're not actually sure even how to navigate um, these types of um, scenarios within a different country than, than where their family members are living? Absolutely, Shelley, and I have assisted families from abroad already. Um, I, I, I picked up families from France and that coming over for the death of their son. I picked them up from the airport and helped them as much as I could, visited the police with them. Um, again, language uh, was a difficulty there. Um, but yes, we do. We, we assist in any way that we can. It doesn't matter where you live or where the crash occurred. So we have Irish families where their death might have occurred in Australia but they're also welcome to, to come to our organisation, mm -hmm. the same as those who live abroad and the crash happened here. But we don't approach uh, families directly. We wait until the time is right for them to, to approach us. Mm -hmm. um, and so we rely on the police to, to give our literature to each of the families affected. And we're assured that they do. Um, Families may be slow to come to us, though, for whatever reason, you know, for months on end, you're in shock, numbed. You may not even be able to pull yourself out of bed. Um, so it is very important um, that they do have somebody to, to represent them or to try and get the information for them during those trying times. Mm -hmm. uh, because during that period, they may find that they become statute barred, as I said. Um, I thought nothing was going to happen until after my inquest, for instance, into the son, my son's death. Mm -hmm. That was six years after the crash, well outside the time you're allowed to take a civil case. So in the event that there's no criminal, criminal prosecution, that was my only opportunity to have a hearing mm -hmm. of the circumstances surrounding my son's death, and I was deprived of that mm -hmm. because I was statute-barred. Um, so it is really important, and we, we would encourage families, even if they don't feel able to ask the questions themselves, to appoint somebody to do it on their behalf mm -hmm. um, because it is important to ask the police, you know, the questions that you need answered, mm -hmm. um, you know, to prompt them maybe into investigating an area that they may not um, otherwise investigate. Mm -hmm. uh, although we do hope that all investigations at this stage are thorough. Um, but at the time of my son's death, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, but things are improving over the years. Um, I'm glad to say. Yeah. Um, you obviously have a good network internationally where you can reach out to the other organizations when there is something that happens internationally, whether it's um, people visiting Ireland or living in Ireland that are from other countries or Irish um, uh, families, you know, bereaved families having to, to deal with those types of things in other countries. It sounds like um, you know, your organization is uh, looked at, your association is looked at um, as um, uh, is not adversarial to um, the guards, to, um, you know, the, the, the law enforcement authorities. Uh, rather, um, they, they're able to, you know, give your information out. Um, and, and that's good. So there's a, there seems to be a, a good partnership or a, a linking there um, that's a positive influence rather than anybody from either side kind of seeing the other as adversarial. Absolutely. And, you know, the reports we get back about the, the guard, the family liaison offices are wonderful. They're, they're wonderful people. Um, I have to say, I never get a bad report about the character of a family liaison officer. Unfortunately, the 
they're sometimes restricted in the information that they can provide to the families uh, and that doesn't help um, but I can understand the reason for that mm-hmm. the reason behind them not being able to divulge uh, information is because they don't want to prejudice, prejudice uh, any criminal trial that may, may be coming up but in the event that the director of public prosecutions has decided that there's going to be no prosecution then I think at that stage um, the information should be given to the families. Um, they shouldn't have to wait until after the coroner's inquest, which is the case at the moment. Um, the Gardaí don't want to give the information until the the inquest is over. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our view, that's too late because you know, the families are going into the inquest to hear things for the first time and they're not in a position to question it or to take expert advice on it or anything like that. And when the inquest is over, the guard, the role is complete uh, and they then move on to the next case. Mm. Um, and so it's really too late for the families to go back to look for answers to their questions at that stage. Yeah. Um, so we're still advocating there for, for a change um, to have that information given to the families in advance of the inquest. Mm. And we'd be very hopeful that that will happen mm. uh, because I really feel that it is needed um, to ensure that families aren't being re-traumatized. Yeah. It's good that it it is good that there's that open dialogue and and the 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 possibility for positive relationships um, when these types of things occur. So, um, I know that you um, uh, rely on um, you know that that your association relies on volunteer um, volunteers and volunteer workers to um, um, you know provide services uh, for and in in representation of the IRVA. Um, what kinds of volunteer work do your volunteers do? And, you know, in your opinion, why, why do they volunteer? We're all volunteers in the Irish Road Victims Association. Most of us have been affected, as I have been. We've lost a loved one on the road, be it our son, our daughter, a sibling, a husband or a wife. Um, yeah, and we've all been compelled to act, you know, to try to prevent, um, first of all, these deaths occurring at all. Um, so we do, you know, raise awareness for road safety and, and do our bit there uh, and also advocate for changes in legislation as they're needed. Um, but to, to raise funding for the charity, um, we, we take part in marathons, we, we have coffee mornings, skydives, run amucks, mm-hmm. um, all of these activities that bring in much needed funding for the charity so that we're able to provide that bereavement counselling and, and provide our service um, throughout the year. So... So, yeah, we don't rely on any government funding or anything, so we're completely independent. Um, uh, and we can we can uh, get by on very little money. Um, you know, um, any any monies that we, we collect are, are used, you know, not to pay our salaries or anything like that, but they go to providing the services in the organisation. As a small charity... How do you how do you manage um, volunteers when when people reach out to you and say I'd really like to volunteer whether it is to raise funds or to help out at one of your events or those types of things how do you go about managing um, your volunteers? Well, we welcome any help that we can get, certainly for fundraising, mm-hmm. um, and anybody who wants to to join us in in advocating for changes in legislation or to provide expertise that they might have, such as the the barrister who's come on board to provide free legal advice. Um, we also welcome them to to join our team. Um, so yeah, we're a very small team, really. Um, I think there are about eight of us on the board, um, and we 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 run a very tight ship. Um, 
You mentioned earlier that um, you mentioned some impacts of COVID um, on taking some of your, um, you know, your uh, uh, meetings online um, and that type of thing. But how has COVID affected um, affected your work with IRVA and um, and even the volunteer contributions um, uh, from you know your volunteers? Well, mostly. Um... All of our work really is is online or on the phone. Um, we we don't often meet up uh, unless requested by the families. Um, so during COVID, we couldn't do that. So that's why we've had the online support group meetings. They don't replace meeting for a coffee and a chat, mm -hmm. uh, but they're certainly better than nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I myself, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't really like uh, Zoom meetings, uh, but I think, as I said, they're they're better than, than not meeting at all. Um, for the World Day of Remembrance, we weren't able to hold an event last year because of the restrictions. Um, so again, we went online and we we held um, we went live for about an hour and a half, uh, again with music and poetry and all of that. Uh, and we also distributed um, personalised candles to to families who who would would like one. Um, so we had a World Day of Remembrance candle made up with their loved one's photograph on it and posted those out all around the country mm. and we lit them all together uh, during the event and again families found that uh, to be a great comfort on the day mm. and they knew that they weren't on their own we were all there um to 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 light the candles together which was nice um i'm thinking we're, we might have to do the same this year because um the hospitality industry hasn't opened up yet right. um um so so we might have to do the same this year which is sad because families really look forward to coming to our event every year. Yeah. In fact, um, they, they see us now as their family. Uh, one man said to us, you know, he comes every year to remember his son. Um, and he said, you're my family now. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was lovely. And, and it meant so much to us, you know, as I said, you know, if, if you can provide help to one family and ease their burden, it was worth yeah. all of our efforts, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you've, um, I'm aware that you've developed a, a victim's guide um, for people that have been affected by um, road traffic collisions. Can you tell us about the context and the content of the guide and how this resource can help others? Um, yes, I, we, we have a guide available on our website um, for, for families to download. But on an international level, we also produced a, a, a guide, a, writing a guide for families bereaved by road crashes. Because it wasn't possible for us to write a, a universal guide that would be um, effective in every country, this guide prepared NGOs for writing their own national mm -hmm. guides. Um, so it has been endorsed by uh, Jean Tat, who's the UN Special Envoy for Road Safety, um, and uh, Etienne Krug, Dr. Etienne Krug from the World Health Organization provided the foreword. And, and we've managed to have that translated now into eight languages and it's available to download uh, free of charge on the website. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we feel it's a, it's a very useful tool. We're very proud of it uh, and the fact that it's available to, to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like it. I'd like, I'd really like it if you could share with um, our listeners um, some uh, contacts or online recommendations um, that you can share with us, uh, especially if people are either interested uh, who are listening in Ireland um, or abroad and are interested in uh, maybe um, donating or giving to the charity, but also um, 
learning more about the Irish Road Victims Association or how they can get involved, uh, again, in Ireland or in other countries. So if you can share some recommendations for us um, that and resources, that'd be fantastic. Well, we, we can be contacted all of the time through our website. Um, so Irva, I-R-V-A.ie in Ireland, um, and IRVP.org for the International Road Victims Partnership. Um, and on the international website, uh, there are copies of the guide, um, also um, a road death investigation a report, um, and a victim's rights report, um, amongst others. Mm. Um, they're all available there to, to download from the website. We're also va- very active on uh, social media, both on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and again, we can be very easily found there under the International Road Victims Partnership or the Irish Road Victims Association. Um, and you can get in, in touch with us through any of those fora. And I, I will also make sure uh, that uh, in the descriptor for um, this interview, uh, I'll, I'll we'll provide that you know those links uh, to Twitter, to your social media, and also to um, your website and the international website as well, uh, so that people can have a clickable um, you know way to to get in touch with you as well. Um, Donna, any final words of wisdom or advice um, for maybe for anyone who might be interested, again, in volunteering or supporting the, the association or maybe, um, you know, um, if they, they're aware of, um, you know, a tragedy, a road tragedy that has occurred recently, um, you know, with somebody that they, they know and love um, and care about, families or friends, that type of thing? We would encourage anybody who knows somebody who's been affected like that to 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 encourage them to reach out, reach out for help. Um, no matter where they are in the world, there is somebody there to help them. Um, if it's our own organisation here in Ireland, to reach out to the Irish Road Victims Association or any organisation within the partnership. There are 150 organisations within the International Road Victims Partnership and we have a reciprocal arrangement um, so just like Irva will provide support to families from America who are affected or Australia who are affected or any country who are affected, all of our NGO members will do, the, do likewise if the crash occurs in their country. So as I said, we can transcend uh, language barriers and other difficulties like that quite easily. Um, and that can be a great help to families. And, then, and all of the services are provided free of charge. So families, you know, I, I always find there's a huge burden on families at that time with funeral costs and everything. Mm. Um, so I'm very proud of the fact that we provide all of those services free of charge. Um, so there's nobody coming looking for money for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we provide all of the supports in a safe um, environment. Um, and uh, everything is completely confidential. And, yeah, um, reach out. And and also I'd like to appeal to anybody, you know, these deaths can so easily be prevented. And... If you call out anybody that you see uh, breaking the rules of the road and endangering others, um, one person at a time, um, if we can get people to use our roads uh, more responsibly and looking out for vulnerable road users, uh, we can save lives. And it is as simple as that, you know, mm-hmm. one person. Mm-hmm. Call out a drunk driver or somebody who's driving while texting on their phones. They have no idea of the dangers or how easy things can change in an instant Mm -hmm. and suddenly they find themselves responsible either Mm -hmm. for their own death or the death of their own family or for some other innocent road user Mm -hmm. Um, and really it's unforgivable when we know the causes of these deaths Um, 
not to do something to try to prevent them. Right. And because it is a huge, huge human tragedy, as I said. 1.365 million people every year are killed and it's estimated 50 million more are seriously injured and left with life-altering injuries um, and left to pick up the pieces for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And what do you hope for the future um, for um, the, the association? Um, you know, it's, it's been a long a long, it's been a long time since you, you know, you started through this process and, and, and started um, the organization and that type of thing. So what, you know, what, what do you hope for the future? I really hope for, for a time when our organization won't be needed, when, you know, deaths on the road are a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really hope so, because, you know, I can't believe my own son was killed 15 years ago um, through no fault of his own, but yet his life has been ended. He was only starting out in life at 18 years of age. Um, and, and we really must do more to, to, to protect them. You know, we, we have a duty of care. We, we need to protect uh, our children on the roads mm-hmm. um, and all of our families on the roads. You know, let's all get home safely to our families. Um, the roads are there for all of our, our youth. Our license is a privilege. It's not a right. Um, and if you're going to endanger others, then you should expect to lose your license and to be deprived of that privilege um, because you can't be allowed to to continue to endanger mm-hmm. other innocent road users. Yes, absolutely. Um, Donna, it has been, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming on, um, you know, for sharing your vulnerabilities with us, for sharing your story, your very intimate um, and tragic story, but also for sharing with us, um, you know, the possibilities that 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 have come of that in, in memory and in honor of your son, uh, Darren. So thank you so much for spending this time um, with us. And um, I do wish the very best for IRVA. Um, and I, I hope for um, the greatest success for the organization going forward. Thank you very much, Shelley. And I think, you know, the, be- the most, the best we can wish for is that we're not in existence in 10 years time mm-hmm. and that road debts have, have, have gone down to zero or as close to zero as possible. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and I really hope that it will reach some families who've been affected and that they can get in touch and get the help that they need yes. because that's what we're there for. Thanks so, thanks so much, Donna. I hope that you've enjoyed this discussion on A Dash of Salt, a space where you'll always find fresh and current discussions on society and learning today seasoned with just the right touch of experts in education and a dash of sociological imagination. Please be sure to like and share this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to A Dash of Salt on Podbean so that you don't miss the next episode. Thanks so much and we'll chat again soon.